Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the absolute privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Nungabudja. Defying the jack of all trades as a master of none saying, today's guest is indeed a master of too many artistic fields, throwing the entire premise of my podcast off completely. Get ready for the list to end all lists because Lucinda is a visual artist, an arts teacher, a musician, a music teacher, a drama teacher, an MC, a comedy cabaret performer, a stage manager, and a producer. A review from 2021 states that she checks all of the boxes and I couldn't agree more. A consummate professional and a staple in the local arts community, I'm thrilled to be talking to, you guessed it, Lucinda Panties. How are you, Lucinda? Yay, I'm so much better after that introduction. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, I'm just here to blow smoke up people's ass. It's I great. forgot about all that nice stuff on my website. Yeah. Why do I have such low self-esteem? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of the, everything that's written on your website is like, she's great. She knows most things, most everything. It's all awesome and lovely. Why don't I just read that every morning before I get out of bed? Didn't God you write? Um, I mean, yeah, then I forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> I just pay for it to be up there all the time. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, and it's on. It's in too small a font. You need it in much bigger, bigger font. Okay, Just excellent. to be like screaming at people, I do everything. <laughs> Should you... I do it in Comic Sans? Yes. <laughs> Italic, please. Oh, good. <laughs> please, Perfect. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, that's exactly how it goes. Um, So, like I mentioned, you threw the premise of my podcast off because Sorry. I'm very used to having little simple boys like me on who go, <laughs> oh, I studied one thing and I know one thing and then I can ask them about that one thing. So, instead of asking why visual arts or why music I'm just gonna be really really broad <laughs> with it and go and just go why why the arts <laughs> why? why why I ask why? myself that every day <laughs> why 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 the arts like why is that a field that you decided that you wanted to go into and then branch off like a cobweb into a bunch <laughs> of of everything on the planet like just I don't know tell me a story um okay Look, I don't know if it was a conscious choice. I don't know if I chose to get into the arts. I think I just went, took the path of least resistance, you know, like a like a pebble or a piece of moss. I just kind of went with it. <laughs> like a pebble? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the pebble of Perth Cabaret. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I guess I was always an arty kid. I started doing music and music lessons when I was, you know, just a toddler and I've always sort of drawn and made art uh, on many surfaces, both authorised and unauthorised. <laughs> I did not just I did not just um, admit to a crime by that. I meant walls, like a cute child drawing on walls. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so I sort of always done arty things and I always um, talked too much. So I just kept doing that and eventually some people started paying me to do those things. Really? Because yeah. you just, just went into the other. So just kept on Does that talking. mean you have like an arts education degree? Um, yes, yeah, so I have a bachelor in fine arts, yep. um, which is sort of visual arts. 
at the time I really, looking back, I probably should have done a double in art and music, but they didn't offer that at UWA. And I was 17 when I had to make my big life decisions. And so I really wanted to just be at the pretty place with peacocks. Yeah, which is one of the, one of the worst things we do is ask 15-year-olds what they're going to do for the rest I of their know. lives. When they only know about like four jobs. Uh-huh, yeah. that's right. I did not have my priorities sorted out. So whatever, I went and did that. And after I finished the BFA, um, I did a diploma in secondary education, majoring mm-hmm. in visual art and minoring in special education, which is another big passion of mine. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, my first proper job uh, was, you know, teaching piano as well. So I sort of just – I was – I don't want to say groomed, but I just did. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, groomed into the arts, I suppose. Just kind of stepped into it. just happened naturally. Yeah. yeah. So you already had, like, a basis of – Piano training. Yeah, yeah. It was good actually because I got to learn on the job as a, as a 17, 18-year-old teaching real children in a real music studio. Um, and then by the time I was, you know, 21 or 20 doing the education degree, I actually had already experienced a lot of these things. Mm. I just didn't necessarily know the names that we attached to those phenomenons or whatever. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it, was a, it was a cruisy time. <laughs> It was nice and structured, and you know, going course, to uni is nice and structured. Yeah, you know what every day is going to look like. Everything's great. And then you leave and then everything just turns to shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so then you basically go like, okay, well, my life has been too simple because I've been mm. studying and teaching and, oh, my gosh, how simple. I need mm. to add 900 other different mm-hmm. things to that. I mean, when I was in uni, I did remember very um, – oh, the warning signs were all there, people. Um, but I do remember sort of humble bragging about the fact that I had seven different jobs. Uh, and thinking that was really cool and I deserved a gold star and I sort of kept on that track for, for the last few years. I mean, not, not that I want to be like the most uh, – because this, this is going to date the episode really, really quickly, mm-hmm. but if I was Scott Morrison, I would be like, great, that's seven people employed because that's how he does math now. That is how it works. That's true. <laughs> that's how he does math, so that's yeah. great. Good job. Good job for propping up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just single-handedly, you know, taking one for the team. Yeah, just doing his job for him. You're welcome, Australia. Mm. <laughs> so hang on, hang on. I'm going to – Try and wrangle us back into some sort Have of fun. some sort of thing. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you're you've left you've left university. Mm-hmm. Um. And then how does it go from like this very structured, almost like classical training of being like I'm mm. going to teach people in this way? And mm-hmm. although yes, you've got like a, a passion and an interest in um special ed, ed special ed education. Good mm-hmm. good job, me. Um. <laughs> you've also like it, it's still incredibly structured, mm. but the work you do now is incredibly unstructured because you're doing like. Well, you do like emceeing and stuff and cabaret is a very much more – is a very much more – I can't say so. <laughs> more caffeine, more caffeine. Yes, more caffeine. Um, it's, mu- it's much more free-flowing. Yeah. So how do you go from like the structured <clears throat> life into this? With great difficulty. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> Tell me the tale. Um, oh, in some ways, again, I was kind of like raised into it because, I mean, um, I'm, I, I'm a classically trained musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first instrument was violin. My second is piano. Um, and I – picked up a lot of other weird things along the way. Um, And so I'm kind of used to that whole cramming in rehearsals before school, after school, you know, rearranging things for gigs and tours and whatever. And by tour, I mean firmly like not cool tours, like dorky, like take your violin to France tours. Um, Okay, come on. What do you mean that's a dorky tour? You should have seen the outfits we wore, Aria. You should have seen the outfits. (laughs) I want to describe the outfits to me. And I mean we, so it's a a violin playing Oh, like uh, with school and and things like that. You know, I went to a very um, specialist music school, um, which was great because, again, that gave me heaps of opportunities and experience in the real world and in the industry that I could sort of fall back on later because some things I just took for granted, you know, like how Mm. to behave backstage and... Uh, you know, how early to come before things and, and whatever, stuff like that. 
Um, so, yeah, I've always been a really busy person, like lots of music classes, lots of other things outside of school hours. And then at uni, you know, my 17,000 jobs. Um, so I've always been a busy person. Um, uh, after uni, I went and got a part-time job teaching. I couldn't get full time at the time um, because they keep as they kept saying, "Don't worry, guys, the teacher shortage is just around the corner." They've been lying to yeah. us, you know, for the last 10, 15 years, and now suddenly years, there yeah. are legitimately no teachers. Yep. Um, uh, so because I worked part time, I picked up a, another part time job to sort of keep things going, <laughs> and and that's kind of what really opened the floodgates for me because um, I think in second year of uni, I was on the women's guild, and for International Women's Day, one of the things we did was we put on a burlesque show. And I had recently discovered burlesque. I'm talking like um, 2008, 2009 here, yep. children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we we just sort of got, got a few performers together from around Perth. Uh, you know, it was a charity thing um, and we didn't have an MC. I had uh, recently discovered Dr. Sketchy's anti-art school. Yes. Um, and uh, because... I've, I've, I'm not a graceful person, um, so there's absolutely no way that I was going to be getting up on stage and doing burlesque. But as soon as I heard that MC open her mouth, I was like, oh, I can do this. This is for me. Like, yeah. this, I want to I be Fanny LaRue when I grow up. That, yes. Again, I just dated myself again. But if you don't know who Fanny LaRue is, you're not old enough. Google, 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 Google. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, oh, and of course, you know, Fanny was my first, but Magnus was my second. Um what a weird sentence. Put yeah. that as a tagline. There yeah, go. <laughs> that, that's going to that's gonna be the quote. That goes <laughs> Perfect. Um, so when we did this International Women's Day burlesque show, I hosted it. It was my first one. I thought it was great. Um, and <laughs> that's what's important really. That says a lot, yeah. It was at the UWA TAV on the same night as Sombrero Night. Um, so it was like about four people who were there for the burlesque show and then mm-hmm. everybody else was wearing sombreros. And uh, I think we just rolled with it, and, you know. That was that was a good time. <laughs> did they did the sombrero participants like did they show up? Were they like yes, we are now officially here for the burlesque show? Um, I it's strange. I seem to have blocked a lot of that gig from my memory. I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> Except for the fact that you reckon you did a great job. I'm sure <laughs> it was great, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and it must have been okay because one of the performers, Miss Lady Lace, she uh, needed an MC for an upcoming fundraising show for her to go do a Miss Pinup um, type contest interstate. And so she asked me to host that for her. And then her manager at the time, um, Vita Flame of Lady Velvet Cabaret, saw me host Lady Lace's show. This is this is me with all the red string, like, you know, yes, big drawing yeah. pins across the room. Um, and she saw me do that. And she said, wow, do you want to come do some Lady Velvet Cabaret shows? And that's how uh-huh. I snuck in like the parasite I am. And I stayed in their warm belly for 10 years growing. <laughs> Before I expelled myself. Uh, oh, my God. No. Oh, this is so violent. I was going to say everybody take notes, but I no longer want them to. <laughs> Don't take notes. Draw a diagram. Draw a pretty picture, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, okay. yeah, so I did a lot of my emceeing with Lady Velvet Cabaret and I still do. Um, and I just I just never left. Like I hosted one gig and I was like, this is me now. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. So you definitely in – not that – I'm asking you to rank your arts, but don't actually rank them. But it's you difficult. Would, you, yeah. you would be like MC first and then everything is tiered or it all sort of sits I on. think it's all the same and I think for a long time because I've been doing this un- under the name Lucinda Independentes for about oh, just over 10 years my god um and I think for the first few years I really did struggle with putting myself in that box mm. because I am here a classically trained violinist who also plays the piano and many other instruments and 
yeah, I'm a visual artist. I've got a bloody visual art degree instead of a music degree, which mm. often surprise a lot of people. Um, uh, and so I, I think I did struggle with trying to put myself in that box and trying to compare myself to what was already out there yeah. and just do MCing or just do this. Like I kind of buried those boring, quote unquote, boring, classically trained parts of me for a long time. Um, uh, and then eventually, I think the last few years, you know, a couple of good conversations with mentors and stuff have really shown me that, <laughs> you silly goose, the things that <laughs> make you different are supposed to be the things that, you know, you celebrate and that you build up as part of your art form. So I'm glad I figured that out. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Do you think that um, as somebody else who's also a classically trained musician. Oh, you don't say. Um, <laughs> oh, you don't say. <laughs> a little bit. So <laughs> as somebody who also lives in in that world, do you think that the want to bury it is because sometimes when when you're out, you're out, I shouldn't say out, um, but I don't have another word off the top of my head. When mm. you're like really forward being like, and I am a classically mm-hmm. trained this, people go, ah, mm. right. Because the assumption is, of course, and the rightfully founded assumption, because often it is, is that it's elitist and it's kind of wanky mm-hmm. and it's male dominated and it's like all of these different things mm-hmm. that come with the word, I am classically trained, mm-hmm. insert anything here. Yep. So is that sort of why you pushed it down? Because if you're emceeing and if you're in the world of burlesque and cabaret and in this in a very, very different space, you kind of don't want to lead with, ah, yes, and I'm classically trained. Yeah, I think it's partially that. I think it was also partially the fact that I didn't see anybody else around me doing those things and incorporating those things together. I thought I have to keep all my boxes separate. I don't, mm. like you said, people have this thing about the jack of all trades as well. They'll assume that I'm not good at a particular thing if I can do too many things, which is a very funny sort of sentiment to have. Um, but yeah, I said this on last week's episode, but the end of that saying does go, it's a jack of all trade, a master of none, but better than that, a master of none, but better than that. Then no, I don't remember how it goes anymore. It's the end of it goes like, but better than that, than a master of none or something. It's like, it's some sort of thing where if you chuck off the ending to that phrase, people go, oh, well, there's no point learning too many things. But if you actually know the full thing, which apparently I don't. (laughs) Eh, there's Google. You don't have to Apparently know anything. Apparently I don't. Um, nobody fact-checked me because I'm sure I did on the car ride home today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it literally is like, but better than knowing stuff than knowing nothing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah, I just didn't really see much of that happening around me. I mean, grant, grant, granted I had my little, you know, early 20s blinkers on um, and it was just part of like a small scene. Um, and I think I also struggled with like, well, listen to Panties on stage. Um, if you haven't experienced, uh, just says whatever comes to mind, mm-hmm. the benefits of ragingly unchecked ADHD, um, <laughs> we've now discovered recently, oops, <laughs> that explains a few things, but yeah, there's, it's all improv, it's all made up on the spot, just whatever pops into my head, it's stupid, I'm often rolling around on the ground or doing the worm or, I, you know, getting all up in people's faces pre-COVID and things like that. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> and so I guess I just sort of thought, oh, well, Bach doesn't go with this, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, I started doing some solo shows at Fringe around the 2015 sort of mark. Um, one was I owe my parents sixty five thousand dollars, which was a show all about my arts education um, and you know how I'd done so many things and they cost my parents so much money and this is how I pay them back. <laughs> like oh, a weird, um, strange, <laughs> one woman not stand up, not music show in a pirate bar with 30 people watching. <laughs> yeah, but, but not not that as well. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Um, and the next show I did was um, uh, an, idiot, an Absolute Idiot's Guide to Art, which was basically um, my year eight art lecture turned into a sellout 
fringe show. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I sort of dab, but even then I did them under my own name, not Lucinda's name. Mm. And I sort of tried to keep things very separate as well. At the same time, I think Lady Velvet Cabaret, we did a few um, sellout shows called Symphonies of Sensuality where the artists, the burlesque artists had to perform only to classical music. That was the rule. Oh, yeah. Very cool. I think we should definitely do that again. Super fun. Um, And, you know, I got to sort of wangle the violin there a little bit. Mm. By a wangle, I mean I played it for a bit and then I pretended to ride it around the stage like a horsey. (laughs) Violin too. Just the smallest. (laughs) Mrs. Lee would be so proud of me. (laughs) This is what I pictured. This Mm -hmm. is what I wanted. This is what I wanted for her. Congratulations, Lucinda. This is what I wanted. (laughs) That's right. So, yeah, look, I sort of dabbled bits and pieces just trying to be myself and, and now I'm just... I'm just, I am what I am in front of people and uh, they, it seems to be going pretty well. Yeah, yeah. it definitely, <laughs> it's working. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, like, you, as you said, you've been dabbling, dabbling. You've been fully immersed in this industry for at least the last 10 years. Mm. So it's not like it's, it's not failed. It's continued yeah, to keep true. you going. That's true. Doing it's pretty well. Got a couple of awards under my belt, I suppose. Got that nice website stuff. <laughs> Got that website that somebody wrote. That's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Did somebody put there for me? Yeah, oh, oh, no, mate. I do that myself. That's why it only gets updated every, uh, like, two weeks before Fringe. <laughs> it's when suddenly my website has some activity on it. Oh, look, the font changed this yeah. year. <laughs> oh, she's gone for Comic Sans. That's a bold choice. I wonder who told her to do that. It was the wrong decision. <laughs> I'm she did it ironically. And that's I how, did. Yeah. That's I how I get cancelled. <laughs> God. Yeah, that's how I get cancelled is because I told you to put the Comic Sans italic on your website. You heard it here. WA Expose. Exposed. (laughs) This is a call-out podcast. Dun-dun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so backtracking just a little bit because you did mention uh, Lady Velvet. Oh, yes. um, That you said you uh, what grew in (laughs) a really long time. In the nice, warm environment of their belly. They're going to love that. They're going to absolutely love that. Glittering tapeworm. Oh great! And like yes, that's what that's uh that's what we are. We are great hosts for a tapeworm or a bottle of tequila. Who knows? There you go. That's another tagline for the podcast. Loosen the panties. The glittery tapeworm of the Perth's burlesque community. Yeah, that on your website. <laughs> I'm writing this down. You're I'm right. Not. You're writing this. You're <laughs> for those listening at home, I'm, I didn't move a single muscle. <laughs> You've never been more still. Mm. Um, okay, so so Lady Velvet. Mm-hmm. Once you get in there, you sort of rise through the ranks of Lady Velvet incredibly quickly too. Yeah. I had to kill a lot doing, of people. Yeah, a lot of murder. So mm-hmm. like, let's go through every single murder you mm-hmm. committed, mm-hmm. or what their names okay. were, and then pay proper respects. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it's it's a funny story. Well, it's not funny, but it's long. So, um, that's what I need. I need long <laughs> stories where I can have a coffee break and you can talk. So I started. Um, oh God, Stella, I'm so sorry. So I started. Um, Obviously, just hosting the shows, and then my boss, uh, gorgeous Miss Vita Flame, okay, Stella says, um, "You look like you could probably teach drama," and I was like, "Yes, hello, mm-hmm. yes, I did classes once when I was a kid. I'm sure I'm qualified." Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I just I managed to get my foot in the door teaching a little bit of music and drama um, at the studio as well. Um, and then it was like, "Oh, you look like you could answer an email," and I'm like, "I could." So then I. <laughs> Then I, I got suppose, yeah. yeah. Then I got another foot in the door, so I got both feet in the door, guys. Just in case you weren't paying attention. Are you limboing? Is the rest of the body firmly out the door, or um, <laughs> one arm with a violin is stuck? Yeah, <laughs> still stuck outside, <laughs> waving around. So I got my another foot in the door, doing some junior admin type work, and then I sort of somehow, <laughs> I think I just changed my name on the website from you know Sylvia um, admin to like Sylvia assistant manager. So you know promotion <laughs> sorted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Okay, that's that's what I need to do is just yeah. be like, uh, Aria, CEO, yeah. CEO. And then one day, maybe like six years, seven years later, I just deleted the word assistant. <laughs> so that's how you rise up the ranks, guys, in the arts. <laughs> I am slightly exaggerating, slightly. Um, so, yeah, but basically I just started small and it, it just grew from there and ballooned uh, to the point where I was full-time manager of the troupe. Mm. Um which has been awesome and only recently that journey's come to an end after like 10 gorgeous, wonderful years and I've stepped back into the classroom. Um, so if my students are listening, turn this off right fucking now. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so stepping back into the classroom after being a part of a troop, has that been like amazing and wonderful and light and fluffy? Like we said, students turn off. Uh, this isn't for you because <laughs> we're about to just fully like dish on I'm the I'm about to read you to Phil. Yeah. Um, it has been good. There is a lot of muscle memory still left over. Um, after my first few weeks, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember how to do this. This is good. I remember how to – I mean, basically, uh, emceeing and teaching 30 reluctant children is kind of the same thing. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. you need more audience participation. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, um, I do I, – the things that I do on stage, apart from the worm – and sitting on people's laps. I, I do a lot of the th- those same things in my classroom. There's a little sprinkling of interpretive dance and there's some funny voices and then some jokes and things like that just to keep people's attention going. Yep. So they do have some very similar traits, I would say, those two careers. Um, but it has been really nice. It's been, um, well, <laughs> it's been horrible. We're in a pandemic, but yes. otherwise, it, it's, <laughs> otherwise it's nice. It's great. <laughs> really lovely time for you to step back into mm. it and be like, muscle memory, I can do this. I can remember all of these things. Oh, I like, can't go near you and you're all gross. Yeah, right. also I can't see your faces. Also, you're 11 and you have a beard under that mask. Excuse me, sir. What so, happened? <laughs> there's some the hormones t- and some chicken or something. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But, yeah, the kids are getting hairy these days. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Oh, God. We're going to have so many things to delete off this podcast. <laughs> great. That's that's great for me because then it just becomes like a lovely little short. Yes. <laughs> short yeah, that's right. It's going to be a YouTube short. <laughs> Here's the 45 seconds that made sense. Ah, my go. first reel. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> content. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Wait, so, okay, so you're drama teaching by accident. You're teaching visual arts on purpose. <laughs> you <laughs> te- taught music, continue to teach music yep. on purpose. Yeah. Um, I'm probably missing stuff more than likely. What about stage management and producing? So you became like uh-huh. the uh, the leader of the troupe at Lady Velvet. Is that when producing sort of took over? Yeah, I'd say so. So, like, um, <clears throat> um, again, it grew. Uh, our first Fringe was 2012, back in the oldie days when it was small. And uh, we were in the Treasury Building, which was a huge highlight for us. Um, that was a good year as well because our show, uh, the Lucha Royale, won the People's Choice Award. Uh, also because you got actual discounts on drinks with your Fringe Pass and things like that. And um, I just remember... It was very surreal. I'm, I'm sitting in the treasury building, which I always, mm. as a little goth teenager, always used to walk past and look in those windows and go, what's in there? Like it's so abandoned and mysterious. Yeah. And now I was in there dodging the holes in the floor <laughs> as I ran between hosting a my first fringe burlesque show and running between um, helping to stage manage a crazy cabaret luchador-style wrestling show um, and sitting in the courtyard afterwards having drinks next to Julie Atlas Muse. Like what the hell? <laughs> so that was a really... That was a really fun time. Normal, normal things that should happen. Totally normal things. It was a real golden year. It was was a very cool time. Um, And so I started off by, you know, just helping with the shows. And the more shows that I helped with, 
more I knew what I was doing to the point where, um, you know, at Lady Velvet Cabaret, we've got a number of grad shows every year. So I took over those and I used to take over and help with the fringe shows as well. Um, whether it's booking performers or doing the bios and press releases and, you know, liaising between venues and things like that. Um, so, yeah, just kind of stepped into it naturally, I'd say. It just happened over time. Yeah, mm. wow. so you really had to do it to be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you were given... It li- my life literally just happened to me. <laughs> like, I didn't seek anything out. Character. I just kind of <laughs> floated along and that's what happened, yeah. It really does seem like um, you've been not presented with opportunities. Obviously, you worked incredibly hard to get them, but being able to have these opportunities allowed you to fail within safe perimeters mm-hmm. so that you could then continue on mm, to succeed. So much failing. Yeah. Which is yeah. which is fantastic yeah. and which is like the idealised version of how we'd all like it yeah. to be. Um, and you've definitely in the first 20 minutes of this proven your uh, like staple in the Perth arts community. So we're going to take a oh. super duper quick break and then I want to ask you about what you want to see in the Perth arts community moving forward. Yay. We'll be right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, welcome back. Um, I'm still talking to the incredible Listen Devantes. Um, and just before break, I think I think I mentioned, I don't remember anymore, that I wanted to ask about like, your opinion on the current Perth art scene, how it's changed since you started in it, where it is now, and what you would like to see going forward. So three um, prongs to that, all that I'm sure are incredibly complicated mm-hmm. and nuanced, but like, let's have a go at tackling them anyway. I love a good prong. <laughs> prong or prawn? All of the above. <laughs> I choose. <laughs> Why not? Could I have both? Exactly. All right. So prong A, number <laughs> one. <laughs> I've got a flow chart here. I don't know if you can see this, people at home. That's not a flow That's chart. That flow was my chart noise. That was, that was my hands. Where do flow charts go like that? <laughs> new at ASMR. I'm new to this. Yep. Okay. Um, what do I want to see? Is that what I'm saying? Mm. I don't know. Pick one. Um, what do you want to see? Uh, how has it changed since you got into it? Mm. I don't know, mm. that seems about like enough mm. stuff to talk about. I wouldn't mind seeing the death of social media. Mm. Um, <laughs> Same. I, that is a huge thing that has changed since we first started. Um, I remember being like a little smooshy 20-year-old um, going to events at places like the Burlesque Lounge and I, I don't want to sound like a grumpy old lady here and be like, man, it was better in the old days. But genuinely... I would go to these events all the time, you know, uh, I still remember picking up burlesque in really indirect ways like Dr. Sketchy's or Perth Roller Derby Mm. bouts and things like that, Um, uh, you know, vintage markets. And it was always there on the fringe and I sort of could ease ease myself into this scene. Uh, I started to get to know faces, you know, 
um, gorgeous feisty or Trixie Tassels, like these amazing people yeah. that were producing and working in the scene at the time uh, and still are. And and I could, yeah, I could dip my toes in and ease my way in and they started to recognise me and then they started to, you know, ask me about things and that's how, you know, one thing leads to another. You know the right people, you maybe get a foot in the door and, and it sort of happened really organically yeah. for me. By being active in the scene, you were allowed to then like step into multiple spaces, which isn't really something that, that sort of happens now. Yeah, I feel... Um, Obviously, and this is absolutely no critique on anybody who's like, you know, really loving this part of, of the performing arts sort of scene. But I do feel that there's a lot more pressure now on newer or emerging performers to come right out of the gate immediately and hustle. Like mm. you finish your first burlesque course and now you must have an Instagram page. You must have a TikTok. You must be getting many, many paid bookings. Like yeah. this is still a small city. There are not that many bookings floating around, you know, yeah. um, and then at the same time, uh, how do you differentiate between, for example, a troupe like Lady Velvet Cabaret, which is, you know, sending maybe 10 chorus line showgirls to do a, a halftime performance at some fancy corporate event. Mm. And then, you know, the other side of the coin, which is emerging burlesque artists who want to explore and try new things out on stage. Like, I think, um, there is this, yeah, there's this huge amount of pressure on performers now to market themselves and turn themselves into a business and a brand. And if they don't, or if they don't have as many followers as their friends, or if they don't do as many courses, which do cost money, by the way, mm. uh, or if they don't happen to get a paid fringe gig in their first year Gosh, or something yeah. like that, some people are really struggling with that. And I don't blame them. I would be the same if I were in their position. Absolutely. I've got the luxury of being old. So, you know, that's not <laughs> something that's afforded to everyone. Uh, and I really, I really recognize that. And I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I've had. Um, uh, one, one of the, once my, my high school made the shocking decision to ask me to come back and address the graduating music class ones. And, yeah, I know. Good job. <laughs> I wish I could show you the face that Aria just made. <laughs> <laughs> You're just positive. I'm just not. Oh, I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't do it. Well, the worst thing was they said there's no time limit and you can talk about whatever you want. And I was like, damn, do you, you even didn't. know what you're asking for? See, they have. They had the opportunity to go through your social media <laughs> at that point. But that's it. They had the opportunity to be like to see any of the videos you've got up, to look at any of the footage, and then like then they could. <laughs> But they didn't put restrictions on you and that's on them. That's right. That's right. So when you got up there and licked the floor, mm -hmm. that's on them. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I made them laugh so much. It was fantastic. <laughs> I was great. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And I decided in the end, I was like, okay, I'm going to give these kids um, some advice because that's what that's what teenagers want, you know. Um, uh, but, you know. Someone they've, they've never heard of to tell them how life works. Exactly, that's exactly what exactly. they want. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I guess uh, – one of the things that I remember telling them, because of course, remember this is an elite um, music school, still public. Don't worry, guys. Um, I, I gave them lots of advice. Um, I think I think my speech was broken up into five bits. One of the, you know, some of them were stupid, and one of them was like, "Don't marry your high school boyfriend." <laughs> um, I saw a lot of parents like nodding and elbowing their children at that one. <laughs> um, but but one of them was at first say yes to everything, like. A lot of the performance opportunities, not even performance, just even work or employment or mentoring opportunities, a lot of the opportunities I got early on when I was younger is because I just said yes to things. I volunteered for so many things. I have so many souvenir T-shirts from different events and stuff <laughs> that I've worked at. Um, and and that's really what got me meeting lots of people. Yes. And, you know, this works, this is applicable both within and outside of the arts, you know. I said yes all the time 
that I could have lots of opportunities in different contexts. And then eventually, and this is the important part that I told the students but didn't necessarily <laughs> do myself, the important part is that at some point you've said yes to so many things, you've agreed to so many opportunities, you've learned so much, that's when you can afford to start saying no. And that's when mm. you can start to turn down your gigs and you, you can say, actually, you know what, I don't need this opportunity. I've had a lot of opportunities like this to grow and I'm going to let somebody else take this one, you know. And it's the saying no that's the really fun, <laughs> the really fun part, the freeing yeah. part. Is um, that similar to the bit where you go, oh, actually, no, I, I cost $100 more than that. Mm, oh, my God. Yeah. How good is that? That's, I, a, that's a great feeling. <laughs> and and, and I've got to be honest with you, Perth, I only got that feeling in the last few years, you know. Yeah. I, it, I spent a long time saying yes to every little pissy, tiny, small thing that, you know, Fifty bucks at three a.m. That's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. I said yes to it all, and at every single one of those, I met someone that I would run into later on. And guys, can I just publicly state that I have face blindness, so, so, <laughs> so I may have run into these people, but I may have needed a tiny reminder of who they were. But eventually, How I was like, "Are you oh, teaching?" Yes. It's insane, but it's great. <laughs> the kids are all wearing masks now. I don't need. I just. I've always used strategies like hair, context, clothing, where they are, who they're around with to recognise people. Mm. Um, so this whole pandemic thing is just great for me. Can we just keep the masks on, please? You've just gone up to everybody's mask and then written their name and permanent marker over the top of it and be like, that's Leo. Mm -hmm, basically. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm said yes to a lot of things and that gave me a lot of experience. And, yes, it wasn't necessarily glorious. It wasn't necessarily high paid. But I had the luxury of being able to just relax and just do it because I wasn't out there for a career. Ten years ago, if you told me I'd be sitting here being interviewed for a podcast, there's no way I would have believed you. I had no concept of that happening or how long it would go for. You know, I was just doing it because I enjoyed it. Mm. And I, I, I want to see more of that back in the performing arts scene, particularly cabaret, because let's be honest, on this podcast, we're kind of like cabaret focused, I suppose. Well, I am anyway. Yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, I think that that hustle culture and that pressure to be pro is – not right. That's that's what sucks the love of your performing arts out of you. Yeah, and when when you've got a, an Instagram posting schedule, I know it's stressful. <laughs> Things get really really. It's rough not. Really I only quickly. post on Instagram the two weeks before Fringe, <laughs> and you still win prizes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So well, that's the thing. I still win prizes even though I don't give a shit about social media or you know mm. self promotion. And I, I I probably could have a much bigger audience if I wanted to, but would I enjoy myself? Would I be inspired? Would I want to make more art? I don't know. I don't necessarily think so. Yeah. So it's really about like, like with most things, unfortunately, uh, it's about finding what your balance is and what works for you. Mm -hmm. And then like, if you're getting um, that feeling of being like, oh gosh, I don't think I enjoy being on stage as much anymore. That's the moment where you can reassess and be like, is it the performing that's mm -hmm. making me upset? Or is it the fact that I have to not only perform, but I have to do a behind the scenes of me mm -hmm. performing, a backstage video of yep. behind the scenes of me performing. And it's then I have to do a video of me driving there in the car. Yep. And I have to do a makeup tutorial yep. before I get there. Like yep. all of that other stuff. Yep. So you've actually been in performer mode since 2 p.m. Absolutely. Not on stage till 9. It's so accurate. Yeah. yeah. And if you love being on stage, just be on stage. You know, there's nothing wrong. If, if you're the kind of person who's doing classes with a with a troupe um, and and – Oh, for the love of God, don't let somebody make you feel bad because you just perform at grad shows as a, as a student, as a mm. paying student. There is nothing wrong with that. And if you love that feeling of being on stage and having people cheer for you and shout for you as you shake every jiggly bit on your person, that's what you love. And yeah. that's what you've got to pursue and put your love and your passion into. And, like, if you do, things will come from that, you yeah. know. And it, I know there's so much FOMO looking at how other people maybe – work their social media or their brands and stuff, but they are not the same person as you, you know. 
and there's nothing to indicate that that they're happier or achieving more or whatever. It's it's you just got to live for you, man. Life is too short. Mm, and it maybe you only need that itch scratched every six weeks at a grad show. Maybe you don't need to be out there every single weekend or like whatever is. I hate using the word journey, but whatever your journey yeah. is, like that's totally and fine also, and valid. And also be realistic. I know that there are often gigs every weekend here mm. in Perth, but you cannot be on all of them because no producer is going you? to hammer you on every single lineup. Yeah. They're going to rotate people around and give everybody a fair go. Perth is a small city. I don't think you're not going to be necessarily quitting your job to be a burlesque performer full-time if you live in Perth. And I certainly, I said the word necessarily because, you know, it could happen totally. But at the same time, there is just not that much gig. I mean, I, I have a, a lot of gigs outside of Fringe time, but they might look completely different to what I do during Fringe. Mm. It might be hosting a corporate event. It might be doing something at a shopping centre. Um, it's really, yeah, it, it's, it's really a broad range of things that I do and they all look different and they are, you know, it's not all glamorous and leopard print all the time. Yeah, but they're all still completely valid and they still mm. all fall under the banner of being a performer mm-hmm. because you have to switch on into that mode and yeah. be and be that person. And even if I didn't have a single gig, you know, outside of those times, I'd still be a performer. You know, yeah. you, you can't go calling yourself something just based on, you know, what boxes you're checking. That's the opposite of artists. That's mm, not what completely. we want to do. Yeah, and we've been spending a lot of time, especially when it comes, because marketing tells you that you need to figure out what your target audience is, what your niche mm-hmm. is and what box you tick and mm-hmm. who do, who likes that box. Mm-hmm. It's sort of counterproductive because as an artist, it's like, well, I want to be outside of those boxes mm-hmm. and I don't want to explore niches. The amount of times I've sat across from someone and they go, oh, so are you just like Kate Miller Heike? And it's like... <laughs> No, no, no. So, oh, well, then how do we market you then? And so I don't, I don't, mm. I'm myself and You're I do my own thing. going to have to market thing. me separately. One yeah. day somebody asked Kate Miller-Heike the same question. <laughs> I mean, obviously not about her. <laughs> she would just be like, well, yes. <laughs> yes, I, I but am. the same thing, like, you know, b- before, before she was big, people would have been trying to find a box to put her in. And it's yes. like, no, as an artist, you're supposed to be looking inward at what you are and then showing that to the world. Yeah. If you let yourself be led into a particular path because you're trying to hit a target audience on Facebook or whatever, um, that's not that's not art. You make what you want. Yeah. Then People pay to see you <laughs> being happy and expressing yourself, not mm-hmm. somebody else. Chances are you then your audience will just be a lot of other performers, which is great, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not necessarily always what you're looking for. That's another, yeah, that's another thing I feel really strongly about. I think our audiences shouldn't necessarily just be for us, uh, you know, for our own community and mm. quite insular. Completely. That was my favourite thing back in, you know, the early 2010s when, um, that's what I'm calling them now, uh, <laughs> when we were doing Fringe, that the best part of it was performing to like, people who literally had no idea what they were looking at or, you know, mm. you know, a, a middle-aged couple from, from Midland or, you know, a couple who were visiting from Bustleton or, you know, just... Yeah. A, a Back when people wouldn't actually book their fringe until they right. showed up at, at the Pleasure Gardens and go, what's that? I'll go to that. That was yeah. often the most fun and vibrant and rewarding part of it and that's what sort of, if anything, that's what sort of grows your audience, you mm. know, is exposing yourself to people, <laughs> literally, who <laughs> <laughs> don't already know who you are, um... Yeah, that's another thing that I, yeah, I really enjoy performing to people who have no freaking idea what's going on, which is why I'm a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Because your audience is literally like, sorry, kids. I don't want to be here. (laughs) I didn't want to be here since I was told I had to be here. Mm -hmm. Basically. I love that. (laughs) Fully a fan of that. So um, on on our audiences, for you, is is it counterproductive or a negative thing that at the moment, because there are so many so many variety shows, so many like different opportunities, like things happening. And like I'm speaking as somebody who runs a freaking mm-hmm. variety show. I'm so. speaking as someone who's been on your variety show. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I'm fully just like sitting here reading myself. So having all of these multiple and multiple, multiple different variety shows, are we just preaching back to the same audience and just giving ourselves more and more of a feedback loop? Sometimes I do wonder about it, I'll be honest, because, you know, a lot of the time, um, and I, I, again, as a producer, I've done the exact same thing. Come on, guys, invite your friends and family, invite your network, invite your fans or whatever, because mm-hmm. we've got to get bums on seats. Yeah. So it's, that's how I pay you. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I literally cannot fault anybody for that, you know. Yeah. Um, but I do I do think that's the case. And I think sometimes we need to really push outside of that community because this is how we're going to grow and, and get more interesting people in the community mm. is, is by not – closing it off and making it seem like, oh, if you've never been to a Berlin show, then you shouldn't, you know, you're, you're lesser or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I do think it's important to spread that. Yeah, because it's one of the things that I know that um, originally had me creating the show in the first place was being like people who exist in the classical world who, mm-hmm. know, who know Aria Scarlet for her opera shit mm-hmm. aren't going to look at a show like WA Expose and be like, yes, I want to be there. So mm-hmm. it's my job to be like, yes, you have to be there because <laughs> it's amazing and incredible and you will enjoy all of the things that are here. And if you don't, that's what a variety show is. It will be over It'll and be then over something else minutes. will come on and yep. you'll be okay. Um, you're not going to get hurt. It's a great gateway isn't yeah. it? into yeah. the scene generally. Yeah, but yeah. if we continue to sort of just like implement a feedback loop where it's all just like, ah, well, I have um, five followers and those people will be there and that's how we that's will right. feel. The, then it's just Everybody going, in the audience is also a performer. Yes, yeah, yeah fully. Which is still wonderful. Oh, like, it's so nice. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I love performing to artists. It's fantastic. You're right. In terms of sustainability, though, for producers, uh, particularly when, you know, a lot of these, maybe they're comps or whatever, mm. or plus ones. Uh, as producers, how much longer are we going to be able to afford uh, to, to produce for the same 150 people? Yep. Not sure. Um, so we do definitely need to keep that in mind as well, um, as you say. Like, And, and it is not only a, a small town, but it's also a panini right now. So <laughs> it, the numbers are hard and, you know, I'm sure a lot of other artists and producers will relate to this when I say that 2022's fringe was one of the most difficult – was the most difficult I've ever had uh, yeah. in, my ten year, in my 10 years of fringing. <laughs> that one was particularly uh, difficult. Yeah, um, it was really hard to sustain um, and even on like Friday and Saturday nights people were having a really hard time. Yeah. Getting yeah. bums on seats. At I had all. my yeah. lowest lowest sales ever, um, but I've, I've got great reviews, won an award, and for me, that's kind of why I do it. This is not my retirement plan necessarily. You know, loosen the panties, super fun time, sing along jamboree. <laughs> um, it's just an opportunity for me to again practice on stage and get together with my girls and do some awesome music and and practice combining. That was really when I came up with this show. It was when I sort of really settled in. You know, previously with my other two solo shows, I'd been separating myself from Sylvia and Lucinda and, and splitting it up. Um, whereas this show now I'm finally doing all of the things all at once in one show. It's really nice. So for me, Fringe is and always has been, and I think this is its purpose as well, it's always been a testing ground for me yes. to try new things out, um, meet a new audience, that sort of thing. So, look, in re- in that respect I certainly have no complaints because I still managed to do an awesome show. I got better at what I do. Uh, I got those good, nice reviews to put on my website and make myself feel better. <laughs> Actually, got some really, really nice ones this time around. Like, oh, um, so aggressively nice to the point where that's why I don't look at my website because I'm uncom- uncomfortable. Oh, I love her. She's so good. You're like, oh, oh Jesus, maybe I don't want to be here. Ugh. Uh, um, but the flip side of that was that it wasn't necessarily something that you could sustain, especially like you've got like whew, I lost money. That I show, lost a lot of money. Yeah, that show has so many people in it, which yes. is a wonderful, yes. amazing because you, you, like you said, you're getting with your girls, you're yep. doing this, exploring. And this my testing. priority is always to pay the people that I perform with. Always. Yeah. So I just paid them out of my own pocket this year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That's fine because Lucinda's had a good couple couple years. You know, all these wonderful corporate gigs and things like that that I've been doing, like, uh, you know, City of Perth, New Year's Eve, things like that. 
uh, those gigs have continued and they sit in my little loose into panties bank account, which now that I mention it, it's probably on some sort of government watch list. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you can name accounts like that, but that's all right. Shouldn't be allowed to. Yeah. So, you know, and in that way, I think the last 10 years of performing really has sort of got me to the point where now I can have fun and, yeah, I can still afford to run. I'm very lucky that I can still afford to run my show because um, I've got, you know, some peanuts rub. You know, stacked away in my bank account. Some peanuts in my panties bank account. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. what is happening oh, right no. now? Oh, no, okay, I'm going to have to put an explicit <laughs> warning at the top of this. <laughs> Jesus, panties, peanuts. <laughs> okay, but, uh, once things ag- just took a turn. Yeah, once again, I really think that, like, from everything that you've done and what you get to continue to do, it is all about balance. It's about mm. being able to, like, do the fun experimental thing and maybe we're subsidising it with teaching and maybe That's we're right. subsidising it with performing at a shopping centre. That's right. And it doesn't make any of those opportunities less valid or no. less important in the scheme of, like, what you're trying it's to do. It's amazing that I can make money talking at people, literally at people aggressively mm. and then I can build up a bit of saving to make sure that I can still run a show at a festival, you know, which, which is crazy. And, yeah, uh, there's, I am just as proud as my uh, of my weird uh, yelling at people gigs at shopping centres and theme parks, just as proud of that as anything else. Because if I think back to, like, little, I was going to say, little five-year-old Lucinda Pandy's, no, let's go with little five-year-old Sylvia. <laughs> little five-year-old Sylvia who was, you know, being told to stop talking and, you know, talk too much and called Miss Chatterbox and stuff. And if mm. I think... I had no concept of the fact that I would get paid to talk shit at people, you know, for the rest of my life. It's great. It's great. Yep. It's great. It's awesome and I love it. Yeah, living the dream. <laughs> love it. Living the dream. Um, and that I think is a perfect place for us to end our little chat today. Yay. Thank you so much for being on WXBSA. Tell everybody. Here's the bit that you're going to hate. Tell everybody the social media handles where they can find you. I hate the internet. (laughs) This is terrible. (laughs) Kill social media. You can find me at Lucinda Panties. (laughs) That's Lucinda Panties. It is a pun. If you haven't got that by now, I'm saying, people, I have been doing this for 11 plus years. Lucinda Panties. Say it to yourself. It's a pun, right? Yeah. Anyway, I just want, I had a friend the other day be like, oh, We've got to love them. We've got to love those love friends who've just been yeah. like fully ignoring your career for Come the on, last guys. 10 years. Yep. So it's at Listen to Panties on Instagram and other places that I use. Just type it in and either I will come up or a panty reselling website will come up. And either way, you're going to have a good afternoon. Yeah. Great. Both sound like a positive experience to me. <laughs> if you're um, struggling to find it, just scroll down into the show notes. You'll find Lucinda's website and yeah, you can Instagram do that and stuff there too. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for being Thank on the podcast Thank you for having me. Today. This has been so awesome. I could do this for literally 10 more hours. Yeah, I know you could. <laughs> I know you could, and that's what we're stopping. <laughs> She's pulling me off my chair, everyone. She's pulling Dragging me off my chair. Away. I've got one of She's those big hooks. I've got room. a big ah. hook. <laughs> WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld, and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Expose. You can do it on mic if you really want to. It doesn't matter. We're drinking iced coffees. What's the wrong kind of ASMR? I'm so sorry. It's fine. I'm just going to edit it out. We're going to need a Windex. (laughs) I'm just going to get rid of it. (laughs) Because I realise that as I pick it up, it goes... Well, we are musicians. Wait. (laughs) I kind of just shook my body instead of shaking the cup. Yes. Oh. I don't... I'm not a big ASMR person. I don't think I can... The straw thing. The straw thing. But I do really appreciate Dolly Parton's nails. Oh, yes. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.